Hello and welcome to Raising the Roof. This podcast is a climate special. Um, we always aim to be topical uh, with our podcast, so hot on the heels of, of COP26. Uh, we're focusing today on the role of housing in reducing our impact on, on the lovely planet on which we all live. But we also want to explore the, the issues that, that others miss. So today we're looking at very much climate change, but through the lens of the customer. Um, today, uh, my guests, we have not one, not two, uh, but three uh, guests joining me. Uh, and I'm pleased to say that none of them have uh, increased uh, their carbon footprint uh, because they're all uh, joining us from home. So we've minimized any travel. Um, first up of our guests is my uh, running partner from a few years ago. Um, <laughs> and one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in housing uh, is Tracy Harrison. Uh, Tracy is the uh, chief exec of the Northern Housing Consortium. And she's also a trustee of Age UK North Tyneside. She's been at the Northern Housing Consortium since she was 14, so she's been there 16 years now, and she has a real sort of passion for housing, but also for connecting in local authorities and providers of social housing across the whole of the, the north of England. Tracy is a keen runner, uh, despite what she might claim, um, and uh, the evidence in that is that is that she's completed the Great North Run 10 times. So uh, well done, Tracy. I make that over 130 miles. But she has got um, a, a shameful past. She was the first person in Newcastle um, who uh, was one of those really annoying people that when you're in a restaurant on a date um, and, you know, she'd come up to you to sell a rose uh, for a ridiculously overinflated amount of money. So she was the first person uh, to come up with that as a concept. And in addition to that, if you haven't met Tracy, make sure you've cleaned your shoes beforehand because prior to selling roses, she used to shine shoes as well. My second guest is Andy Pace. Andy is the Tenants Climate Jury Lead and he uh, works at Shared Future uh, Community Interest Company. Now, I feel really interested in Andy's skills outside uh, work because he's got extensive uh, knowledge and also skills in the arts of psychology, coaching, but also, interestingly, mindfulness teaching. And get this, he's lived as a monastic in a Buddhist community in the late 90s and early 2000s. And that's just like one of those things where you just go, wow, big respect for that. Andy enjoys uh, a bit of swimming, uh, a bit of cycling, and also some, some gardening. Andy's role today is because he helped facilitate the, the tenants' climate jury, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that very shortly. And last, but by no means least, is one of Yorkshire Housing's most forthright customers, um, Terry Tasker. <laughs> Terry's uh, one of our, our customers here at Yorkshire Housing, and she was also one of the members of the uh, tenants' climate jury. But forget all that, she's a bit of a media star. She's, she's appeared on, on local and national TV. So clearly I'm going to have to really up my game today on, on this little uh, Tim Pot podcast of ours. Um, and she's also met a long list of stars um, and celebs. And she starts uh, with the queen going downwards. So, you know, it's like a list of the, the great and the good that, that Terry's met. Terry's brother was a distinguished uh, mountaineer, Joe Tasker. Um, and he was part of the, the, the first British team, which made the first ascent of uh, Kangor Tar. Is that right, Terry? Have I said that right? <laughs> almost, almost. Yeah. But that's a climb of almost 8,000 8, metres, sorry, 800 metres, blimey, 8,000 mm -hmm. metres, which he made alongside the other 
uh, climbing icon of, of Chris Bonington. And how did Terry meet the Queen? Well, uh, the Queen and, and the Duke of Edinburgh hosted an event at, at, at Buckingham Palace for Britain's greatest explorers. And Terry was there rubbing shoulders with Sir David Attenborough and Sir Ranulph Fiennes, as well as Michael Palin. So really do feel slightly inadequate given the guests <laughs> we've got today. And last but by no means least, Terry was also involved in the Year of the Disabled, um, advocating for the rights of disabled people. And it was that movement that then led to what's now commonly known as the, the Disabled Persons Act. So absolutely a real force for change um, across across uh, the, the, the whole sort of uh, areas of communities that she worked in. So, so they're my guests. Let's dive straight in. And I'm going to come firstly to you, Tracy, because the Northern Housing Consortium recently published the, the Social Housing Tenants Climate Jury Report. And, and for anybody who's listening who hasn't yet read it, and I've got to ask why haven't you, you know, can you give us, first of all, Tracy, a quick summary of what it covers? Yeah, well, first of all, I am going to have to come back to you on the point about annoying people selling roses in restaurants because you've really showed yourself to be a true Yorkshireman there, Nick, complaining <laughs> complaining about that. We never had that. We never had those complaints in the northeast. Um, but the 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 social housing tenants jury. This came about because um, the consortium's been doing a huge amount of work around um, the decarbonisation agenda for for a couple of years now. And we know it's a huge priority for members. Um, 26% of total emissions in the North come from our housing. So we know we've got to deal with this if, if we're ever going to get to net zero. So we've been doing a lot of work to sort of try and raise awareness around the agenda, build confidence within um, members, address issues like how, how do you pay for it, what tech do you use, and so on. And I think it became very apparent very quickly that... Um, getting tenants on board and, and getting them to support the process was going to be absolutely critical to, to the success of any programme and that this was really very much um, a tenant engagement issue as much as it was an asset management issue. So we wanted to look at how could a landlord approach a decarbonisation programme to sort of ensure um, tenant buy-in. And citizens' juries have actually been, I haven't been familiar with them, but they, they have been used quite extensively, never been used within, within social housing before. But the citizens' jury uh, approach really appealed to us because it's really important to the consortium that everything that we say is backed up with a really robust evidence base. And what we liked about this was that it's very inclusive, it's representative, it has a legitimacy because, you know, in, in the social housing jury that we've run, they've spent 30 hours cross-examining expert witnesses. You know, there's been a lot of time to get into the meat of the issues here and question some, some really sort of high-profile people. So we feel it real, real legitimacy um, to it. So that was why we wanted to go down the citizens' jury approach and run this social housing tenants' jury. So, I mean, it's it's... It's been a big piece of work. Uh, seven, we wrote to seven and a half thousand um, tenants to, to get the, the representative group of, of 30 that we ended up with and had five different landlords across the north involved, of, of, of whom Yorkshire Housing were obviously one. And yeah, it's 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 been really important, I think, in terms of coming up with a really robust set of recommendations that the sector can use, how they go about this in the future. Do you just want to give us a flavour of the, the four recommendations because they were across sort of the, the four themes weren't they so just 
just um, I know I know there were nineteen recommendations across four themes. I'm not asking you to to be able to recount all uh, all nineteen. Yeah, yeah. So 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 there were recommendations that were um, around the different retrofit technology um, that there is recommendations about how landlords should manage costs and how they should manage disruption to tenants um because obviously this is this is something that's hugely invasive you know you, you're going into people's homes and, and ripping them apart to, to do this um recommendations around education and communication I, th I think that was really sort of a central plank of this how you um make sure that people are are kept fully in the picture about what's going on. It's very much about putting tenants in the driving seat, making sure that they've got the information, that they're aware, that they're, that they're confident. Um, and then there was a, a fourth theme, which was about sort of more widely tackling climate change within our neighbourhoods. Great stuff. And also, just why did the consortium choose to get involved in this? Because oh, clearly you're leading the way and it's something different to to what, you know, the angle that most other people are coming at from, from the whole retrofit and, and reducing carbon uh, sort of agenda. So, you know, what what made you think differently on this one? You know, when the, when the Decent Homes programme was was done, there was something that was much more tangible as a, as a benefit to, to tenants in that. I think it's, it's much easier to put up with disruption if you're going to get a, a new kitchen and new bathroom out of it, for example. And I think that with this piece of work, um, we were conscious that you're potentially going in and ripping out a heating supply that people are perfectly happy with to replace it with something that, that there isn't necessarily the, the awareness or the, you know, the understanding for. I, I guess you, you could be seen to be fixing it, fixing something that isn't broken. So we knew yeah. that um, being able to, to raise awareness about why this was important, and of course the why it's important is that 26% of emissions coming from housing, but, but that need to get people on board was just so prevalent and I mean there, there are many challenges around this you know how you pay for it is obviously it is obviously a big challenge and, and what kit you use but I think making sure that tenants support it and are happy with it is is really something that our members had had um had highlighted was 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 particularly important to them so I think making sure that the tenant voice was was heard and that and tenants were at the driving seat was was critical to it for, from our perspective. That's great, Tracy. Thanks, thanks for that. I'll come back to some of the points that you've raised uh, um, in a, in a short while. But I just want to flip over to to Andy um, and Andy, just just give us a flavour of your role in the process because obviously Tracy was saying that it, it was an approach that perhaps hadn't been widely used in in housing before. So do you just want to, for, for people who are listening who perhaps aren't, aren't familiar with the approach, do you just want to give us a, a bit of a flavour of, of what the process involved and what your role within that was? Yeah, sure, Nick. Thanks a lot. So um, I work with Shared Future and um, we organise citizens' juries. So I came in and um, I was the lead facilitator, which meant that I did all the sort of design work for the sessions. So we started back in July. We had 10 sessions. Uh, each of them lasted about two and three quarter hours or three hours long. And um, in each session, we had uh, various experts coming in to talk to the tenants and to give them a, an overview on all sorts of things. In the beginning, it was an overview on what climate change is, what are its impacts, um, so we didn't sort of dive straight into talking about what's going to happen with retrofit and boilers being ripped out and stuff like that. We thought it was really essential to give everybody a really uh, big 
picture of what climate change is and um, what carbon emissions are, you know, all of these kind of things that they needed to know to have a sort of, to fill in their knowledge and to understand uh, the bigger picture behind um, what Tracy was talking about. So, um, yeah, so we had uh, 30 hours of sessions. The first part was a lot of listening to experts, discussing, um, going into small groups. We had four facilitators that helped them out. All of this took place on on the over the internet, by the way, on Zoom. So that meant we could have um, tenants from all five housing associations that were involved. Um, so it was, you know, geographically, it was spread over the north of England. And um, at the end of the whole process, we had them writing up drafting recommendations that are now, uh, you know, been included in the final report. And not only did they create those recommendations, but they also voted on them as well at the end to sort of to check the level of support for those um, recommendations. So really sort of collaborative process. Um, yeah, uh, the recommendations, there was no sort of uh, manipulation or pushing them in any direction. It was very much their recommendations that came out of it. And um, yeah, so I sort of helped oversee the whole thing really. And um, yeah, organize it, design the sessions, that sort of thing. Great stuff. And and there is some real um, interesting points that you raised there, Andy. I, and I suppose, given what you've you've seen and heard and experienced over that, the, you know, those thirty plus hours, particularly in terms of some of those informal conversations you would have you would have had with with customers during that that time. What's the wider learning that, that you think has come out of this uh, you, yeah, in terms of the approach for, for, for the housing sector? You know, what, what advice would you be giving to the housing sector about how they could take the learning from this type of approach? I think it's maybe sort of a recognition that it is really worthwhile to invest in, you know, quite often consultations are done, you know, one or two meetings, they last a couple of hours and, you know, a few comments are bandied around, but are those consultations taking place in a in a, in a an environment one where tenants customers are being listened to properly secondly you know are there is there enough information are they do they have enough information about the issue the consequences so and and looking things and looking at things from all different angles so this approach is really about making sure that people are really well informed taking the time to do that and i think it reflects in the quality of understanding that comes out of it, quality of the recommendations, and also quality of relationships that are built, and and like the the engagement that takes place afterwards. You know that people want to get involved and um, and uh, talk about the issue and uh, spread the word. So um, yeah, so I think it has been a learning perhaps for the housing sector in, in that respect. Yeah, I do. I do really like you. You know the point that you made about you know this isn't just a, almost like an episodic sort of quick conversation and then go away with a few comments. It's actually that that sort of going back and sort of checking back in and and you know really sort of getting under the skin of things. And I also love the the approach on this, whereby you know you brought experts in and you just didn't start by trying to answer a question, but actually just made it made, helped everybody understand why it was significant what the options were what the issues were I just I just think there's a lot of things there that are spinning around certainly in my head in terms of you know for example what we could do differently at Yorkshire Housing because I think we, we we like many have been probably guilty of being a little bit episodic rather than having a more in-depth conversation so mm -hmm. that's great Andy so um 
uh, with I want to come across to you, Terry, next, if I can, really, and just just sort of ask how did you find the process and and also you know you've given up a lot lot of time, Terry. So I suppose you know was it worth it? I think it was very worth it. And first of all, can I say I think it was a very admirable approach to make because the key thing in all of this is um, although it's social housing and I came into social housing through various circumstances and medical conditions, it's our home. And I think that was one of the key things that came out throughout the work of the jury. And I've got to add as well, we didn't just sort of sit on the sessions. We had homework, didn't we, Andy? <laughs> and we, we had to do homework. But what I thought was absolutely excellent was the way the, the jury was conducted. The sessions were, you know, as Andy said, designed in a way that he could we could and interact with each other, with the facilitators, and more importantly, because again, my specialism is youth and community work, and in fact, I'm a trustee on the Rydale Forum for Older People, um, yeah. and that's that's brought a lot of learning for me as to how older people particularly feel about the homes and what's happening. And the way this jury was conducted was very helpful in that everybody could talk about the effect on them personally and their homes and what it means for the future. And again, we'll talk about it later, but for me, the, the theme was education, which of course is part of my background anyway, and communication. Yeah. And the fact that things were spelt out and opinions asked when we were started talking about retrofit and green areas, which again is, is a 40 of mine. Um, and I th I would recommend this type of process for anything that needs that needs to happen in the future. And can I can I sort of unpick some of that, uh, Terry, with you? Because I think certainly in in, in the housing world, um, and when you speak to other housing people, um, and you and you start talking about retrofit, you know, the yeah. the discussions inevitably tend to sort of uh, focus on numbers. Now whether that's the number of homes that need, you know, improvements um, and and decarbonisation works, or as well as as well as the cost, you know, money always comes in. And being from Yorkshire, you know, money definitely always comes into into every conversation I have with anybody. But I think what's what's really struck me reading the report um, is is just how little mention there is of the customer in those other conversations. The report is the first time. I think that the customer has been put front front and centre in terms of the whole sort of retrofit and decarbonisation debate. So I suppose you know, and I am I am um, a little bit hesitant asking you of all people, Terry, for for this. But um, what message would you give um, to to landlords and 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 also any contractors or suppliers that? that's planning to undertake you know the, this type of these types of works in in customers homes you know what 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 message would you want to get across to people obviously there's sort of a, a three-pronged question there i'll try and be as clear as i can um, and because it also came out in the jury itself it's back to education and communication i will honestly admit that it's the first time i heard the term retrofit uh, what does that mean? And I think having that explained to us and the consequences of housing being retrofitted 
yeah. and the impact it would have on on our homes and I keep, I keep sort of specifying it is our homes um, was very very interesting and when you talk about the messages there's a couple of things that came out uh, particularly if you go from the bottom to the top contractors getting contractors and again no disrespect but cheapest is not always best and that has been borne out in various conversations I've had with other people as well so it's about getting local contractors that the customers feel comfortable with not somebody from to the end of the country and there might be experts in their field but how do we know you know how they will be working in our homes the other messages, which again I learned from the jury, was housing associations to talk to each other because I was quite impressed at the approach, not necessarily just to do with this topic, but with other things that were going on in other housing associations. Well, why don't we do that? You yeah. know, why can't they yeah. talk to each other um, and, and, and build on the good practice? I mean, I hope I'm not speaking, you know, teaching granny to suck eggs, but to me, it was the most obvious thing to do, learn on these subject areas, what's already been done, what can we do better, what can be built on. And the key thing in all of this was communication with the tenants. That's why I think the jury was so important because, um, and again, I don't want to be disrespectful, it's not always happening. Things, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, Yorkshire housing, I think, and I've got to say this, um, Nick, have been pretty good in the different areas where they've improved our homes. But this is a whole new aspect of improving our homes. Part of the um, issue as well is about selling the benefits to the customers and of course I've come in my previous career in ICI from from a sales perspective if you can sell the benefits to the customers you've you're, you're pushing on an open door when you walk in and say we're going to retrofit your house etc cetera, etc cetera, what does that mean yeah. it's about selling the benefits not just economical but in the long run and again I go back to particularly older people because I'm old now and I'm in an older people's community um it's going to be good for them. For instance, like some of us need to have our homes warm constantly because our medical conditions, that raises the bills. Um, I've, I've done quite a lot of research into this um, and getting some of these um, retrofit technologies put in, once you get used to them, the, it is easy to use and it has benefit. And the minute, again, back to technology, the minute you start talking about technology, particularly to older people, to just go blank. Yeah. You know, so it's about plain English, education, keeping the communication lines going, going on and letting the customers understand why you're going down a particular route, why you're using a particular contractor, why you're doing it in this way, really. Um, and if you can set up forums to, to let that come through. I mean, we did talk about climate champions in the, in the jury, didn't we, Andy? Um, and I mean, if you could start using those as conduits and, and get them to talk to each other, I think that will help with all aspects, not just retrospect, but using green spaces, using the area around us, because that's what climate change is about or stopping climate change is about. And I have been following the COP26 quite closely um, to see where it cascaded down and what it does mean for us. Terry, there's just so many really, really salient points in there. Absolutely. The one that really struck me 
was when you you said you know just, just uh, the first time I'd heard this term retrofit, and and it and that whole point that you said about the importance of education and communication, I, you know. I hope people are listening. I'm sure they'll probably rewind back to, to the, the last few minutes when you've been talking because there were just the absolute gems in there in terms of advice. And I think certainly um, we'll be doing that here at Yorkshire Housing. We'll be, we'll be rewinding back to that and picking up everything that you've said because I just thought that was absolute gold dust in terms of how we approach this. And I think that, that whole point about language and communication, absolutely key. Andy, can I just ask you, was that, was, was Terry's sort of reflections pretty much, do they pretty much represent, you know, the, 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 the other sort of 29 people on the jury? Is that, were they common themes that came through? Yeah, I think it's pretty representative. I mean, obviously, when you have a, a jury of 29, uh, of 30 people, you have all kinds of different views, different backgrounds, different perspectives. But um, certainly, yeah, I mean... I think what Terry's speaking to here is very much also sort of in line with what came out of the recommendations. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think also, yeah, the, the thing of communication and raising awareness and what you picked up on there, Nick, just now about using the right language is, is really key because a lot of people who are sort of immersed in this whole world of climate change are often talking about these terms like net zero, decarbonization, yeah. you know, retrofit, all of these different terms that actually the average person doesn't know what it's, you know, why is carbon dioxide a problem, you know? So these things, it does have to sort of, I think the, the, the raising awareness and the education was a big, big aspect. Um, a lot of the tenants were sort of saying, you know, we've had the privilege to, to spend time and to learn about climate change and what the problem of carbon emissions are. But the average person hasn't had that. And they're just going to be thinking, how is this going to affect my pocket? What's, you know, what's the disruption going to be to my home? So yeah, I think I think what Terry was saying there was a fair reflection. Okay, great stuff. I, I, want, to, I want to pick up, Terry, on a couple of things that you said. And I'll open this up to, to all three of you, really, because I know I've been really struck over the last sort of uh, few months as, we've, as I've been able to get out and about more and and you know i i've seen that you know we've invested in both ground and air source air source heat pumps as as well as improving you know the insulation levels in our homes and, and one of the key things interestingly picking up on what you said terry that we've found is is helping people adapt to a new way of heating their home yeah. and i remember going to a customer's home where we'd installed um, underfloor heating and uh, i went in and in the house you know i was I, as I went in, she said, oh, excuse the washing. And all the washing was laid out on the floor, you know, to dry. And I just thought, you know what, we've got this wrong. You know, we should have thought that through, that people, you know, there's three generations that are used to radiators and a gas-wet central heating system, isn't there? And and just just sometimes those really simple things that you, that you miss. So I, I suppose yeah, from each of you, really, I'm really interested because I think this is one of the key things. What... What could landlords do differently to support customers in making that that transition to a different way of heating their home? And I'll let any of you come in first. So just 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 feel free to to, to dive in. I'll jump in if you like, Nick, because I think that you know Terry's talked there about the the need to share information and to share best practice and share learning, and I think that's tremendously important. And I, for me, there's something about the kind of psychology of heat, isn't there? We are used to going in and firing something up that that blasts heat out very quickly, and and um, you know, you see a fire and you feel warm. There is there is a definite sort of psychology um, a, a, around heat. 
And I feel as a sector, we should maybe be more ambitious about what our sector spend could influence the market to do. Because Apple don't expect to have to educate you about how to use an iPhone, do they? It's intuitive. They design it so that it's easy and a pleasure to use. And I think, um, you know, that, that we maybe need to be pushing the supply chain, pushing manufacturers to be a bit more imaginative about the design of some of these these products so that um, so that they are more intuitive and that they are more um, customer friendly. So I, I mean, there is still a role, obviously, for we, we do need to um, educate and inform and what have you, but we're going to be spending billions on this. So I, I think that we shouldn't just accept what's rolling off the production line at the moment necessarily, but we should be more ambitious for the, for the future about um, thinking about what it is that the customer needs and um and, and working around that oh, okay um i'm going to come to you next terry in a second but just i'm just going to sort of come back to you if i could tracy so is there a role for the northern housing consortium to help coordinate some of that yeah i think there's definitely a role for us around all of this i mean i suppose from a very practical point of view we're, we are putting together a webinar series for the new year which will share which will be themed around the recommendations that have come out of the jury so there'll be something very immediate plug. nice plug tracy like your style keep going <laughs> um and uh, and and yes, we'll be we we will be putting together some sort of communications tools for housing providers. But I think there's something here about the potential for the sector in the north to maybe come together. And um, I think if we can look at you know look at what what we are looking to do over the next ten years and what that spend looks like, then there must be the opportunity to influence the supply chain. If we, if we can aggregate this, then I think we must be able to have conversations where we influence what that supply chain looks like. Okay, great. Thanks, Tracy. And we're also going to post a link to the report on the on the podcast. And we'll also uh, post a link, as you've, you've neatly segued it in, to, to the webinar as well that the consortium's holding early next year as well for you. So as a thank you for, for taking your time out today to, to join us. Um I want to come, Terry, to you next, just uh, just quickly, because I know time's against us as always, but just, um, you know, what's, what's your take on this, Terry? I see there's, there's, there's two issues here. There's, there's, there's the two ends which we have to marry together and fill that gap. The one end is where we're talking about the technology, the retrofitting and everything that's that's involved in that. The other is how your customers live their lives. It was interesting what you said about yeah. the drying of the floors. So I think there needs a lot of pre-work done coming into the housing, talking to groups, because a lot of the, the, the housing associations have little communities together, and they need to start asking the questions, right, take me through your normal weeks there. How do you dry your clothes? How do you heat your homes? Yeah. Why do you need your heater on? How long do you need your heat on for? And all those basic questions, so the two could be met in the middle, because then whichever... Um, technology you choose you'll be able to answer the questions by saying well if we use this this is how you'll dry your clothes this is what how you'll need your heating on because it's quite alien for people um at our age to actually put the heating on and leave it on all the time because all yeah. the time you're thinking about the pounds and pence and and i'd say terry it's it's not exclusive to any particular age group or or, or tenure. I was speaking to the chief exec of a large organisation that's leading the way in this this type of um, uh, technology. 
and they told me that they still turn off their air source heat pump overnight because they yeah. still don't believe it's cheaper to, to keep it on yeah. and run it. So yeah. I think there's a there's a massive re-education piece for us all. So and the same question for you. I would just refer people to the report because there are the for landlords, there are recommendations there. Um, you know, mock-ups of retrofitted homes, training, how-to videos, um, spending more time with older people, really, you know, plain English, it's all in the report. So I'm referring to report. Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic segue back. Love it. Thank you. Can I just build on that? Um, because what Andy said is right, because what we all as a jury, I'm not just speaking for myself, I'm sure I've talked to others as well. What helped us was having those guest speakers on who were specialists in the different areas, going from, you know, why the climate is changing, what decarbonation means and what retrofit means and what the different systems were. And I think having those speakers really helped the jury understand a lot more so they were able to understand and feed into those recommendations at the end with a lot more clarity. That's brilliant. And can I just, just because time is against us, so I'm going to ask um, Terry and Tracy, if you had to pick one of the recommendations, um, which one would you go with? Well, I, I love the fact that there's a mix of very practical stuff and then some sort of aspirational stuff. So I'll pick one of the kind of less obvious ones, I guess. Um, and that and that was around um, sort of wider community action and this discussion about the fact that actually tenants don't know which bits of land their landlord owns. And mm -hmm. if, if they were able to have that information, there would be all sorts of um, environmental projects that'd be interested in running on those bits of green space. So that, I like the recommendations around that. Great stuff. Terry, same question to you, really quick. To me, again, education and awareness, because unless you know about something, how are you going to make informed decisions? Fantastic. Right, we're uh, we're in the last five minutes. We're in the quick fire round, so uh, the podcast veterans will know this is where uh, our guests get um, a, a quick fire series of questions um, and really short answers. Andy, I'm going to start with you, because um, you um, had one of the golden tickets and were able to attend uh, COP26 earlier this year. Um, so COP26, success or blah, blah, blah? I'd say not a success. We're still on track for, uh, I think, 2.4 centigrade Celsius rise. So um, not blah, 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 but not a success. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's bending the rules. Terry, <laughs> success or blah, blah, blah? You, you tell it how it is. I'd say minimal success because we made a start, but we only made a start. We've got to follow through now. Well, thank you. I knew, I knew nobody would follow the rules on this one. Tracy, <laughs> success or blah, blah, blah? I agree, I agree with the other panellists here. Somewhere in the middle, I think. Disappointing around coal, but then some, some areas of, uh, of success. Okay. So um, a lot more to do. Okay. Terry, I'm going to start with you on this next one because I think you're going to win this one hands down. Um, most interesting person you've ever met? David Attenborough alongside the Queen. Oh, <laughs> great one. Uh, Andy, beat that. Now, this could be interesting given given what you, your life, your life sort of... Uh, oh. oh, you probably think I'm going to say Dalai Lama or something, but no, uh, I grew up, uh, my parents were landscape gardeners and so were four members of Madness, the pop group. So I grew wow. up with them oh. in my hallway every morning yeah. so yeah superb Why is that? <laughs> i need to speak to my researcher because they should have known that um, Tracy. i think i'm gonna say terry after this <laughs> <laughs> okay 
I'm going to start this time with you, Tracy, because you dodged the last question. What's the one gadget you'd take with you on a desert island? It doesn't exist, but a solar-powered iPhone. But given that that doesn't exist, I'm going to say something really boring, but housing-related, which would be a saw. A saw? Well, yeah, because you can you could use it to make a shelter and That's, to... Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Terry? I, I was going to say music iPod because I love music and I'm in a choir, oh, but of course the batteries might create a problem when they run out. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's not worry about the practicalities. Andy? Oh, I was going to say the same, an MP3 player with a uh, solar panel or something powering it, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we'll go with that. Right, we're going to go extra quick now. So it's, uh, it's literally uh, one or two word answers. So Terry, favourite film? Flashdance. Oh, great <laughs> one. Andy? Life of Brian, Monty Python. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, so that's a good one. Tracy? Oh, controversial, but I'd have to say a Woody Allen. I'm going to say Manhattan Murder Mystery. Oh, <laughs> OK. So we'll stay with you then, Tracy, because you like to be controversial. Favourite band or artist? Oh, this isn't controversial. David Bowie. Oh, Terry? Joan Byers, a 60s girl. Oh, Andy? <laughs> The Pixies, American rock band. Wow, oh. gosh, right. Okay, so my last one is I'm asking you to get your crystal ball out and uh, look ahead uh, because we know that the last 18 months have been pretty disruptive. So what are your predictions? What's your one prediction for the next 12 months ahead? And as quick as you can, if you, can, if you would, because time's against us. Andy, I'm going to start with you as one of the most contemplative <laughs> people I've ever met. So... Um, what what what's your prediction for the next twelve months? Less COVID disruption, but probably climate stuff is going to come more and more to the fore now. Okay, Tracy. Yeah. Massive opportunity around levelling up. I think with with Governor O'Brien and Haldane. So I, I think big opportunity for the north and uh, a chance to be bold and ambitious. And I think we'll go for it. Great stuff. And Terry, I'm deliberately giving you the last word. So over to you. <laughs> Again, hopefully less COVID but a chance to bring the North into the fore. Okay, great stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Andy. Thank you uh, for listening uh, to today's podcast. Um, our next uh, episode is all about the power of brand. Uh, but please also remember that you can find all our other episodes wherever you get your uh, podcasts from. But time's against us. It's now time to close the front door on this episode. So for now, thanks for listening and see you very soon.